Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. Hello and welcome. So from listening to the podcast, Shay Rogers is now on the podcast. Hello and welcome. Hi, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a big fan. I get so much inspiration from your podcast, so I'm very excited. Well, now you get to kind of share it around even even more. (laughs) So speech pathologist, but uh, founding director of Small Talk Speech Pathology up in Newcastle, New South Wales. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah, it's been. We've actually got our ten-year anniversary this year. So, it's, um, so when this year is it? Is it right now? Yeah, this month. Yeah, February. Yeah, yeah. So, it's been a so you're going to have a cake. You're going to have a party. How are you going to celebrate ten years? Massive milestone. We are. I've just been planning our party today, actually. Just yeah. put up the event, so it's very exciting. We're very lucky here in Newcastle to have. Uh, not many COVID restrictions at all. So thank goodness I was able to do some sort of celebration. Um, so, yeah, we're just having a client party, actually. So it's going to be a bit of a play centre, fun celebrations. We can yeah. catch up with our families. and Yeah, yeah. So is your business now 10 years on what you thought it was going to be 10 years ago? Oh, gosh. Um, yes and no. So no, I think I went into it with a very clear goal to have a specific niche, which I've definitely um, achieved and followed through that whole 10 years. Um, But I guess the size has fluctuated on and off, so it's maybe not quite what I thought, but it definitely suits me and my lifestyle now, so can't complain. Yeah. How many in your team now? Well, at the moment, it's a bit of a smaller team than usual. So we've got four speech pathologists and one receptionist, and then we have some contract um, work as well. So, yeah. And this niche that you've uh, hinted at, what is what is so special about what you guys do? I think everyone on the team um, sort of stemmed from my initial special interest when I first went into practice I just really found a connection and gel with um, children, with, working with children with autism and mm-hmm. trying to help them find a communication um, avenue, I suppose. So we now uh, definitely um, service that um, clientele and we definitely um, use a lot of going down that AAC track, um, mm. so providing all the different methods of communication. Uh, it's really rewarding to see their first words or their first um yeah first phrases that they can now express themselves so mm. yeah yeah so in looking at your website and you've website you've got that very very tempting little tab shop what yeah. um what uh what you got what got you to that moment and what will people see if they click on shop like I did yes well that's a great question I I guess I've always had this side passion or um side yeah definitely definitely 
Um, I guess working with families, like I first started in practice, um, working mobile and just going into families' homes and getting that really, really great insight into the challenges that they face. And um, I think I've recognised that um, the cost of developing customised resources for each individual child and definitely that's something we still do but I think I recognize the need for families to be able to access um Mm. yeah more more generic supports um or like quite easily and that they didn't sort of drain on their funding so much um and I guess it's yeah my drive for more community impact I guess and helping to support those families across the board so anyway in that shop is um lots of visual supports so that's um yeah definitely a special area that we um, help families with and is that part of the business really doing what you want it to do is it meeting your expectations or is it exceeding them or is it really a bit of a passion project I think that is um, definitely an ongoing challenge I guess Mm. as a business owner there's so many different facets and so many things that you um, can put your attention into and so I find it's one of those things that depending on what's happening in the business I'll sort of go and spend a bit of time on that and then come back when the when I need to work on business itself or clients themselves so it's definitely one of those side projects that hasn't really had the attention it deserves <laughs> yeah when I had my practice we had a pretty significant retail department like a whole toy store an online yep. store and it took a ton of time and yep. uh, we ran a vertical in our financials on it so we knew we pretty tightly how it was under slash performing yeah. <laughs> But gosh, it was fun. It was just such a lovely contrast to the other work I did as a business owner. Um, and it was such a lovely opportunity for families to be able to purchase stuff that was just really good developmentally and fun and playful, but just really impossible to get anywhere else. So, um, yeah. That's right. And that's very similar to, to my experience. Yeah, very similar to our experience um, with it as well. But it is that. I love the creative process of it as well. Mm. Being a business owner, there's, um, you know, the creativity sort of get, takes a backseat um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. So, yeah, it's yeah. been really, really fun, like you said. Yeah, yeah. So 10 years in the bag, that's absolutely uh, remarkable. Kudos to you. What have you, um, what have you learned along the way? Gosh, so much. <laughs> I was thinking Give us about a this yeah, before, what? before coming on, I guess, um, Oh, it's just been so, I guess you would say, tumultuous is what uh, I would mm-hmm. uh, describe it as, um, being a business owner. A few highs, a few and lows. Downs, yep. Ups and downs, um, a lot of challenges and a lot of decisions that um, potentially I, you know, was a bit of trial and error with things early mm-hmm. on. And, yeah, I guess that taught me a lot about dealing with challenges um, in the way that if things didn't work out the way that I had thought how would I adjust to that and adapt to that and just being open um, to change and opportunity uh, I guess a little bit more flexible Uh, me as a person early on I like to have everything planned everything controlled so (laughs) that's definitely Mm -hmm. been a learning curve. But where has that kind of ability to plan and that ownership of control how has that actually served you? It's not a bad oh, skill set no. to have. 
Definitely. I guess it's about a balance. It's definitely, yeah. um, oh, it's helped in so many aspects of my business because early on I went into it with a very clear plan before I even started the practice. And then I was very, um, I guess, because I do like things to be organised and systematic, that really played into the development of um, systems and procedures and trying to um, maintain quality of service across Mm. a team, I suppose. It's been something that I uh, focused on pretty early on. I think that that, because I started that process early on, it was a real um, advantage in leading into Mm. um, later stages of practice um, because then you can focus on more that flexibility and, um, yeah, client client outcomes and just really focus on that, those other aspects of practice. Yeah. So 10 years was just pre-NDIS. How did you, um, how did you navigate that little minor speed bump? (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely huge um, because we used to operate under the old um, funding uh, body of FAXIA. So that was only for children aged under, I think it was seven something around that so yeah I mean we had a totally different demographic of clients and that was a really um, difficult Mm. thing to be supporting clients right up to seven and then not being able to continue to support them in the way that you'd like um, beyond that funding package so it was really exciting um, the introduction of NDIS and we were so lucky to be in like a pilot um, area so we got pretty quick access and being in a pilot was had its um, ups and downs, obviously. There was a lot of things to work through um, in the trial stage of NDIS and adapting our systems and processes accordingly. <laughs> mm. um, but, yeah, it's do- totally different now to what it was back then. Mm. What were the early days of the NDIS like for you? Oh, it was just so much problem solving, you know, and just <laughs> guess, guesswork. <laughs> I know, it's probably, yeah, it's definitely similar, but um, in a lot of ways it was much more guesswork and um, probably mm. I would say less paperwork but more trying to figure out what the guidelines were that you needed to work within and there was just no um, templates not much information to go on in terms of no precedent that's right yeah it was just sort of make it up as you go and it was definitely sort of a more small community feel though like you sort of got to know planners and you got relationships happening whereas now it's so big that you don't get any aspect anymore yeah would you just would you kind of go so far as to say it was a real um kick start a real kind of next level experience for your business yeah definitely I think it was a big um, stepping point Mm. not only in terms of the system development um, but also growth in the market and also the positives of being able to support clients you know above the Mm. age range that we had um, previously been doing so that sort of expanded our skill sets and we're able to you know more um, develop uh, clinical skills in other areas following along that um, line of AAC. So that's really exciting as well. Yeah. And you mentioned that kind of a, a different cohort of clients now kind of, you know, darken your doorstep. What what demands and opportunities has that put on the team and business? I 
guess it plays into um, the team that you build and the, the mm-hmm. passions that each team member has um, for working in the industry. We're a paediatric practice, so all of our um, speech pathologists have a special, you know, they really love working with kids. Um, but within that, there's so many specialties. And even within autism, like it means that some of our staff um, have a special interest in social skills and they build their caseload around that. And I guess it means that because there is that community demand, the team get to um, specialise and put in all their efforts into um, following their passions and supporting those clients the best they can. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What are you most proud of about your team? Oh, gosh, um, so much. Oh, they, I guess a, stand, a standout was obviously last year was very challenging um, in terms of COVID and, you know, your practice um, adapting and mm. changes, them adapting to changes mm-hmm. and, you know, being able to try and retain client relationships and things like that. And um, they were just amazing, especially because I was on maternity leave for a lot of that year. So they really um, had to step up and um, deal with me just accessing them, uh, you know, giving them advice through Zoom and, um, yeah, being there when I could. So they really stepped up with independence. Um, and I'm very lucky that I've got a managing speech pathologist who's like my wing woman in practice um, and she's just been um, oh amazing in terms of managing, helping to manage the team and um, especially in my absence. Yeah, it's been awesome. Mm. So maternity leave in a pandemic kind of makes for a... <laughs> bit of a ripper of a year how did you how did you kind of navigate that well I guess it started off I had quite a a bit of a difficult pregnancy so I started withdrawing from client work and things um, Mm. early on in the pregnancy and sort of started doing more remote um, work and support late in the pregnancy and then I guess um, I had I was madly getting things in place right before my son was born. My son was born in August. So it was late stages of pregnancy, trying to get everything in place, pandemic plans and adjusting to all the service um, changes and setting up all Mm. of that up um, before I had my son. So it was really down to to, uh, a fine, the last minute, I think I was still working on something a couple of days before. Yep, I've met a few business owners who were just uh, dotting I's and crossing T's as the labour pains uh, kick in. That's right, yeah, yeah. So definitely that was a big challenge. Um, You know, you're already exhausted when you're about Mm. to have a baby and just loading all of that Mm. on. Definitely Mm. a big challenge. But my team were really stepped it up. Yeah. um, Yeah, they were... um, coped with it all so well. So with um, COVID and you being um, sort of the remote control uh, business owner, did the business, did all your nine years and all your training and systems, did it really set the scene for success for what you wanted last year? Yeah, I think um, because my staff had been um, with the team for a while and they sort of Mm. knew those systems and processes really well, then it meant that we could actually focus some attention on things that weren't planned for um, 
you know, I have in my practice clinical guidelines. It's a bit of a Bible that's set up for the mm. staff. So it sort of tries to cover everything that they might need to do yeah. in their job and uh, whatnot. But obviously COVID threw a spanner in all of that and there were things that we didn't plan for. Um, so I think that we were really able to then focus on that side of things to be able to adapt and make new new procedures and um, policy changes and things. So um, like sort of pivoting to telehealth and putting our attention and focus on that was a big thing. Yeah, because this time last year, so we're recording this end of Feb, there was a, you know, the information was starting to come out, but no one quite knew what to do with it. No one was quite making decisions with it. But, you know, this time, this time next week and the week after, you know, we had more information than we knew what to do with and um, a lot of quick decision making. Um, how do you kind of make decisions and juggle all of that stuff? Um, I guess I've always been a person who very much relies on my intuition, uh, gut feelings when making decisions. Um, and sometimes I have to sort of also stop and take stock of other factors, which I definitely now later in the business stage, I definitely do that mm. sort of dot the I's and cross the T's and, and look at the logistics and look at the numbers and that sort of thing mm. and get um, really valuable information from my team members. And then, yeah, um, I really sort of lent on them because I wasn't in the office um, for a lot of it. I really lent on them for guidance in terms of what they wanted um, and what they thought would keep them safe and how they thought their clients would would um, respond yeah. to certain things. So, yeah, it's it was definitely collaborative. Yeah. And your team, some of your team have been collaborating with you for a very long time. What's um, You've got someone who started with you 10 years ago, still got them? Yeah, my superstar. She's, she's up to about eight years now. So, yeah, definitely um, a real asset that she's had such an impact on the business. And she, um, I guess we're a great team because she does things that I don't and we sort of complement mm. each other. I'm a big visionary and she likes to have things, um, yeah, I guess in order and she's got great attention to detail whereas <laughs> sort of skim over the big ideas. So, yeah, it's a really great um, mm. Very lucky, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think the secrets of great team, great retention, what do you reckon they are? Oh, you know, this is something I've been reflecting on in the, just the last six months, I mm. think, um, with the recruitment challenges in our current market, uh, it definitely makes you take stock of, you know, what's working well and, um, you know, how your staff retention is and what you could do better for staff retention. So I guess um, I've always put a lot of emphasis on really supporting clinicians to follow their passions in terms of designing their caseloads or and um, also following professional development areas, providing budget for that, um, yeah, allowing them to have, like, um, like contributions in terms of planning um, changes within the business. Yeah, and I guess being transparent about what's going on, mm. sharing the future vision, 
And I think that's something in the process of reflection over the last six months um, I've really knuckled in on this year. I think I've come back with a bit of a bang for maternity leave because I had so many ideas and things and <laughs> business planning, time. you know. Um, so, yeah, I've done up, like we've done um, team planning day, setting up visions for the year and really planning out like what social fun events we're going to do for the year and like trying to make those things a priority um, because mm-hmm. when you get bogged down in just clinical work, you're just sort of left with whatever time is remaining for your meetings or your professional development. So really trying to put focus on that um, team socials and having more fun together and really um, focusing on our community impact and, yeah, living by our values. So we've got a lot of things in the pipeline, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Yeah, sometimes business owners kind of are a little taken aback when I say that your team come first and then your mm. clients kind of come after after that. Would you agree yeah. or not? I think that's a really difficult thing to get your head around, not only as a business owner but as a clinician. I find that a lot of the clinicians I've worked with, um, they do have such a caring, um, compassionate side to them and they really do want to do everything they can for their clients and so that can eventuate into overscheduling themselves, mm-hmm. not having breaks, not taking annual yeah. leave. Um, and, yeah, I guess me as a business owner trying to encourage those, those breaks and those time, that time mm. for them. Um, and I guess I've, tr- I've in the past probably focused on encouraging, whereas this year I'm pre-planning um, <laughs> those breaks. So, and I guess we as a team are trying to focus on putting ourselves first and trying to work things around. We still um, strive to deliver an excellent service, but I guess it's little things like if we're going to have a team event, then we just move our clients around that just for that day. You know, it's not... Um, yeah. Yeah, not a huge impact on our client work. Mm. So, yeah, mm, yeah. You mentioned uh, about values and a and a, a a service that is based in values. What does sort of describe that a little more for us? What does it look like? Yeah, I think um, early on in the business, you know, when you do business planning and um, going through all that documentation, values and mission statements and all that is part of that process. And I think early on for me, it was so arbitrary and it was a bit like, oh, yeah, I'll write that down and that's, you know, that's what I think Mm -hmm. my values are. Whereas in the past couple of years, it's really sort of consolidated into something more real, I suppose, and and those values, um, you can see how they connect through the practice. So our values are um, support, so what, supporting our families in a range of ways, like through our visuals um, and resources and trying to, um, yeah, provide them with external supports as well as what we um, deliver, yeah, firsthand. And so support, nurturing the client's strengths, um, nurture is another one, hope um, for a brighter future for our um, littleies and then also um, understanding, so understanding families' challenges and taking time to really understand their life. So I think um, as a team in the last 12 months we've really sort of 
you know, talked about those values and talked mm-hmm. about things like, well, how does how does what we publish fit in with those values, whether it's blogs or whether it's social media and, um, you know, what services we're providing or how we're providing the service, how does that fit in with our values? Um, so, yeah, really trying to break it down and highlight things that fit in mm. with those values so that they're not sort yeah. of just written on a page somewhere in the computer um, library. We've actually done a poster as well for our, um, I've just did up like a graphic poster for our staff area. So it's got on, you know, our values and vision for the year and goals. So that was one idea I got from one of your podcasts. Actually. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, I think I might know who that could have been. Yeah, you're spot on. You know, the values are inspiring and, you know, bring people together. But if they're only on the website or maybe as a tagline, they're Mm. kind of pretty light and shallow, aren't they? And I think the fun begins when you start to ask yourself, how does understanding show up Mm. in a day? How does hope kind of, how do we display hope across a a week? And to really kind of stress test them into the, are we serving this? Are we just Mm. kind of speaking speaking it definitely yeah how do you bring up examples in the in like our meetings they'll bring up examples of oh you know this happened or um you know one of my staff said oh I remember one of my old clients it's their birthday they're going to turn 20 or whatever it is and they're not a client anymore and it's like Mm. you know let's connect let's support them even though they're you know discharged from our service so coming bringing those little things back to the values and um, you know, this is the reason why we make those decisions um, because we're living by our values. So it's definitely something that's um, taken a long time to mm. get to in the business to be able to integrate that so well. And, um, yeah, it's exciting and it is very motivating and it's inspiring for both myself and the team to sort of have that clear vision and goals set out. Yeah, yeah. Now. Spring springboarding from uh, the word inspiring. What's this I hear that you have an unpublished book? Oh gosh, <laughs> um, I think I've been a person who's dabbled in a lot of things over the years. <laughs> like I mentioned about my side passion projects, um, and some of those have been, you know, developing an app, and some of them have been. Yeah, writing kids um, kids picture books and things so like there's that. There's more than one just, book that's unpublished. Oh, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think a lot of those were early on, and my passion projects, my unfinished passion projects, have actually changed and evolved through the years. Um, or how I've, I guess, along with how my mm. clinical skills have evolved. So some of those early projects were writing. Um, picture books for kids with speech sound difficulties and you know I'd finish those use them with my clients and then I think oh I might publish that or I'll turn that into an app but then you know as I progressed I'm now working in a different field and supporting clients in a different Mm. way and wanting to you know dive into other areas so I suppose I I guess it's very entrepreneurial to start a million things have a bit of a graveyard of unfinished (laughs) So do you think they'll yeah. see the light of day? Oh, I think I'm mo- I think I'm moving on. I think I've got mm. other targets at the moment that I'm mm. excited about. So yeah, I guess really focusing on our community impact is one that I want to um, pursue in terms of side 
passion projects and focusing on sharing resources that, I mean, 10 years in practice, you develop a lot, um, a big library of resources yeah. that, you know, are useful for other speech pathologists and families. So trying to really harness that and figure out a way that we can share that to make a big community mm. impact and trying to harness technology as well, I guess, um, being so busy in the business with just policy and, you know, the mm. nitty gritty stuff um, for the last few years. It, you know, it's mm. time to catch up on some tech and, um, yeah, make things really accessible for our families and um, community. So, yeah, that's kind of where the direction is going now. So what can you kind of tell us about the next five years for the biz? Not all the secrets, just, you know, a few little sparkly bits. (laughs) Um, Well, I think that for me... I like the idea of having a a niche little team that's not huge, mm. that is, um, you know, family-based, family-friendly. I'm not really, um, don't have huge aspirations to expand in other locations, states or anything like that, but I guess we want to focus on um, the biggest impact we can make and looking at maybe um, different ways we can share our knowledge um, with clients and um families so maybe looking at something like um podcasts or beefing up our youtube channel with sort of demo videos and things like that um so it's just really free and accessible to for everyone and i guess in terms of my other business um sharing resources with speech pathologists it's five-year plan is just to sort of convert my library of gold from (laughs) 10 years to try and you know share that and help make um life easier for speech pathologists who are often Mm. time poor with their preparation Mm. time and putting together visuals so trying to share that and um yeah help help them Mm. with their clients as well Mm. do you think you'll stay you know the speech pathology kind of team or are you tempted to bring in some other other lovelies well um i i think that in the past we've sort of dabbled with a few partnerships with different disciplines and i've just found that it, it sort of takes my attention away a bit too much to uh in terms of that i really want to focus on our our little team of speeches and what we do really well and um the, our focus clients um, but we are looking to expand our team um, to include allied health assistants. So mm. that's going to be exciting and a big change. And we're looking forward to, um, I guess, working with them to improve our client outcomes in terms of community participation for our clients. We do work with a lot of clients who use communication devices and um, that sort of thing. So having someone who can be with them in the community to help them um, generalise the skills we're teaching them, then that's going to be really valuable and we're looking forward to that. Uh, It'll definitely be a process and a challenge but rewarding too. Yeah. What do you think the NDIS is going to look like in five years? Let me get, let me reach for the crystal ball. (laughs) If only we knew. (laughs) Yeah, what do you reckon? What's your hunch? Well, I mean, I've only sort of looked to this year. Um, like, I guess 
I guess that's part of my thinking with the allied health assistant team. I think things are definitely changing um, and we need to be ready for it. Um, things are changed. Things are going to change in terms of the way funding packages are put together and the way yeah. services are delivered. Um, so, yeah, I guess I, I think that that's a big change that's going to happen. I think probably maybe there's going to be some changes with the way that um, NDIS participants are assessed. So that's going to be interesting mm. um, to see how providers are linking in with that process and how we can still advocate for our clients is um, going to be something to keep an eye on. So, mm. Yes, I try not to think too far forward because you just don't get anywhere. You've got to think. You've just, got to think just six to twelve months yeah, ahead. Yeah, maybe June, June, and the nine nine rounds of price guide adjustments. Yes, maybe that's, that's smart. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there sort of are some are some trends that are you know observable and you know packages and where money's allocated in budgets and so on and mm -hmm. so forth, I think. Yeah, salute you on some uh, good thinking about how, how to deliver services that achieve client outcomes. Mm, yeah, yeah, mm. it's definitely a bit of forward planning, uh, mm. something that I sort of had thought about for quite some time, but um, now I've got the push to do it given that, you know, I can anticipate that those changes are coming. So try yeah. and get get on board with it, get set up with it before we get um, mm -hmm. too many changes happening mm -hmm. with our client yeah. funding yeah. packages. So. I'm certainly hearing that forward planning is one of your superpowers. <laughs> I try. I do like to plan. I'm a planner. <laughs> <laughs> so what does your week look like? Oh, well, I guess um, we, yeah. <laughs> A typical one, like a, a not a crazy one, just a typical, typical average week. Where does your time go? Okay. Well, it's always fluctuates, but, I mean, I've only just come back from maternity leave. so All, all fired up. Time, all of my time's going into these projects is get up mm. to launch some of this stuff as soon as we can. Um, and that involves, you know, meetings with the team, quite a lot of meetings with the team to get their involvement. We're doing some QI projects at the moment just Great. to that the way we're delivering um, documentation to our families and how we can improve on that. We're doing a, a pretty big overhaul of our systems um, yeah. because we want to really make sure it works in with that new team we're building uh, so that it's a bit seamless in terms of um, how they collaborate mm. together and how the documentation is, um, yeah, done. But I guess, yeah, a lot of meetings, a lot of business stuff. Bill paying, you know, the fun ins and outs yep. of that. Um, yeah, and just yeah, working on working on those um, QI projects. Mm. I guess I do. I don't see clients directly, and I probably fluctuate in and out of doing that depending on what the business needs. Um, because you know, when I'm doing client work, I really need things to be going pretty smoothly mm. so that I'm not too distracted and I can really, you know, give 100% mm. to my clients. So it just, I just um, fluctuate in and out of that. But at the moment it's only two days a week so I've really got to knuckle in and get this these um, QI projects done and build the allied health team, so allied health assistant team. So, yeah. Yeah, and you've got little ones at home so the juggle is real. Oh, Yes. <laughs> I'm always trying to squeeze in extra emails and 
open my computer to finish something off at home and it usually mm. sits there all day. <laughs> yeah, I don't quite get to finish it. It's really nice being back for two days because you can be really productive when you're here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my two little boys, they definitely keep me busy when I'm not in the office. Very cool, very cool. Um, how have you kind of picked up the business skills? Sounds as though planning has always been, you know, you know, lighting up your DNA, but how have you picked up all of the other business management team leadership? Mm, I am a lifelong learner. I constantly mm. crave learning. So if it's, and I guess since I've had kids, it's mostly all podcasts or audio books and things like that, connecting with other colleagues. Um, but throughout the years, I've definitely accessed um, business mentoring through our local business association and you know, that really made a huge difference in the early years. I was going sort of once a month, you know, for years yeah. um, to those meetings and getting some real direction and um, even about how to develop my skills or where to outsource things yeah. to. Um, and now down the track, I rely less on that support. Um, but definitely when challenges mm. come up, that's where I go back to. And I think um, also connecting with other Business owners is a big thing. Um, mm. Throughout COVID, we really like binded together as a community here and, um, you know, networking with some of the other business owners to really problem solve and support each other um, was really nice. So, yeah, lots and lots of different avenues, I suppose, of learning. Yeah. And learning from the team, each each different clinician that I've had work in the business have, has brought something else to the team and taught you more about leadership, taught you more about supervision and supporting um, therapists holistically and what you can learn next time. So many things, yeah. You mentioned podcasts. What are your faves? I've got my pen poised. I'm going to write them down. <laughs> Well, oh gosh, it depends on what area of life I'm, yeah. I'm at at the time. You know, I've got my parenting ones, I've got my, um, you know, speechy clinical ones, got my business ones, and definitely yours is one of is my business go to. I'll usually search <laughs> in your in your list, like I'll look up allied health assistance and see if you've got any podcasts on that. <laughs> um, but clinically, I like the speechy side up podcast. Mm. Uh, you know, that's really nice. Um, you can easily look through and find your special area of interest to pick out um, ones that you enjoy uh, listening to. And then, yeah, parenting ones. Uh, Talking with Tech is another one that I like mm-hmm. because it's really AAC-focused. And, um, yeah. It's hard to imagine what life was like before podcasts. <laughs> Like where was all of that intelligence as in that information? Where was it sitting just in people's heads? That's right, yeah. And, I I mean, I've just found it so valuable since becoming a parent because, you know, I'll be running around doing housework, carrying a baby and got my little earphones in and, you know, listening Mm. away or taking going for a walk listening to it. So it just driving just makes such a difference to being able to, to, um, yeah, engage in all that information that's out there and learn. Yeah, yeah, so valuable. Yeah. yeah. Could not agree more. So such a pleasure to listen to your business awesomeness. Um, if I give you kind of the, the close on this, what are, your, what are your kind of encouraging tips 
for people listening who may be, I don't know, ready to go and work in Myers. I know there's a lot of business owners who want to be, become a florist. What are your tips <laughs> for when it's just feeling a little relentless? Oh, when it's overwhelming, we've all been there. Yeah. Gosh, I've been there many, many times and it's um, a really challenging spot to be in. I think it's coming back to your reasons, like why, why, mm. you know, back to the real core. Why do I do this? You know, why did I get into this? What what motivates me? And trying to really, you know, hang on to that, however it is. I think a lot of business owners, they put aside their passion Um they put aside following their passion in terms yeah. of their clinical areas or like to me it was putting aside my creative passions because there was too much business logistics to to focus on and so I think it's important and especially in those hard times to try and think of you know what what gets mm. you motivated and what you're really driving to see and um yeah I guess you following those passions even if it's a little side a little tiny portion of your week, mm. I guess, that can really float you through. Mm. And connecting with other um, colleagues who are in the same position can definitely make you feel mm. a lot um, better and push you through push you through those hard times as well. Yeah, yep, yep. Business can get lonely and to have that uh, candid conversation is nearly always a good thing. Definitely, yeah. Don't know where I'd be without it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in for a bit of a chat. Now you're now you've been a guest as well. I know it's very exciting. Thanks so much. It's been lovely to share, and I hope um, some of your listeners have got a few gems, and a few tips. Yeah, I'm always happy to help if anyone wants to contact me. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kathy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Private Practice Made Perfect podcast is brought to you by Experts on Air Podcast Network.